0: Hey guys, cool. welcome to the 7 Figure Box show. My name is Andrew Frezza, and I'm joined today by Joe Tibaldi of Flex and Studio. Um, Studio is a brand new uh, web-based way to showcase your classes online and really have a different approach to your classes. So we're going to be talking about all things sales and marketing and branding with Joe today. Welcome to the show, Joe. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, So let's start with just a little bit of background. So I think people that have heard your name, if they've heard your name before, I've seen you on WTF Gym Talk with Stu, you're a good friend of his, you've helped him with a lot of his branding stuff. And, um, you know, you have a couple products now that can help gym owners. So but just give us a little bit of background outside of that, and just kind of
1: tell us who you are. Sure. So um, I definitely have always been into fitness. I was a baseball player growing up. Uh, I played all throughout college. And And when I was in school, I was a baseball player and I was a marketing and management major. So when I graduated, I knew that fitness was always definitely gonna be a part of my life, Um, but that's not where my career was going. Um, I actually started as a computer science major and that's what I really wanted to do, but the demands of that and what the school required it conflicted with baseball too much. And since baseball was paying tuition, (laughs) I stuck that path. Um, But then when I got out, I started to really teach myself a lot about software development. And I created my first app when I was 23 I was working at a bar and um, this is when craft breweries were blowing up and the bar that I was working at just added 24 new taps. And he was having this issue with people coming in and they're asking what's available and looking at the menu and it didn't match what was available at the bar because Mm -hmm. the kegs were getting kicked so fast. So he's like, I wish there was a way that I could just make a menu fast. And that was my first bit into software development because I'm like, I think I can do something like that. So I went back and I was just a bartender there at the time. Um, and I went back and I taught myself Visual Basic and I taught myself database entries and I built my first application to allow him to make fast menus by just clicking different beers and it prints out a template and even the bartender could do it as the kegs were clicked. So it was always up to date. Um sold it to him for a whopping $150. And um that got my first like entrepreneurial spirit going. I'm like, ooh, this was fun. I really enjoyed creating this product, like learning what the challenge was for him. It was a small business, limited resources. And I think that's what really kind of kickstarted my career in kind of helping small businesses, small teams. I've always been a remote worker. I've never had a job where I had to go into an office. Um, And I've always been with small companies. So right from there, I ended up getting a job with a uh, special education software company. We were a less than 50 person team. Um, We delivered products all throughout the U.S. Um, Because of something that happened with the management at that time when I was there, I was able to take over our secondary product and it was kind of an older product that people didn't really pay attention to because it wasn't grossing the revenue of our primary product. Um, So I took that under my wing. It was my job to kind of come up with the sales and marketing aspects of it to redo the UI and then to work with the development team to kind of add new features. And that's when I really got into like, I love bootstrapping. I love the idea of like having to work with what we have and just being scrappy. Um, So when that kind of continued, that's when I actually found CrossFit. So I had done CrossFit a little bit in college, but it was introduced to us in a way to almost make us quit. (laughs) So we used to do these CrossFit workouts at like 6 a.m. And we do them during the fall. And literally, it was the coach trying to be like, who's going to stick out, right? Like, who's going to make it to the season? So I hated it. I was like, I'll never do this. But we never did any Olympic lifting. We never did any heavy weights. It was all just like the really grungy, hard endurance parts of it. So found crossfit again when i was working at the special education company and right around that same time grid came out i don't know if you remember the npgl and grid Oh yes
0: I'm very familiar so with
1: that. when that came out i was like okay i suck at crossfit because i can do these heavy lifts and i had good mobility because i was a catcher in college so my hip and ankle mobility was great but i was not an endurance athlete i knew i was only going to get a specific mm-hmm. thing so when grid came out i was like this is super cool um and then i started to think like wow i wonder where they're going to be getting athletes for this new sport from because yeah, right now they're just picking up the top CrossFit athletes, but over time, like if they want to expand it to multiple teams and multiple areas, they're going to need a new pool of athletes. So I built a an amateur grid league called the SAGL, spun mm-hmm. it up before the start of even their first season, and was able to get 10 teams from like 13 different states. We had people from different countries coming in and doing this huge event and then had a season afterwards. Um, and when we did that, the pro grid league saw it. And they reached out and they were like, Hey, we'd love to help. Cause you're kind of facilitating new people being introduced to grid. Yeah. We'd love to give you our scoring system to use during your league. And I was like, yeah, cool. So they flew in and they helped us run our first event. And then they ended up hiring me, um, to come work for the pros. And again, I started as low man on the totem pole. It was a small company. Um, a lot of it was like contract resources. They had some funding, so that was nice. But still, I was forced to be kind of scrappy in how I was coming up with the marketing campaigns. And that's when I really dove into the marketing and sales and advertising that I kind of like built up my chops for today. Because it was such a wide category, right? It was like, it was athletes. It was international. There were different people involved. Um, So that's where I started to make a lot of my connections, too, within the fitness industry. And so from there, um, that's kind of the beginning of flex. That's when I started talking to some gym owners. Because a lot of people that were either athletes of grit or associated were gym owners. And I built this uh, Flex V1, which was basically a website platform similar to WordPress, but it allowed just the text and images to be updated by um, gym owners. So, like, they didn't have to focus on the design, and I built out all the templates for them to just go in and manually create it. Mm -hmm. Um, Then Flex slowly evolved into that and plus a CRM. So, when Grid kind of slowed down, I went all in on Flex as my first venture by myself. And that started adding CRM features as I noticed more and more people needed the ability to use like automated emails and having a database of contacts and not managing everything in Gmail. So again, it's always been like helping small business owners scrappy and resourceful, like have the feature set that they need without having to learn six new applications. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've been running that for the last two and a half, three years. And we were finally at like a really good point where it felt like we were hitting our stride. I was hiring people and that's when COVID hit. Um, I lost, something like 50% of my revenue within the first four weeks. A lot of that was like consulting revenue. And then obviously gyms that were just hunkering down on any ex- like extra cost. So mm-hmm. I provided them a lot of value even past that. I was like, Hey, listen, like, I understand that you can't pay now. Let's just leave your website up. I don't want you to feel like I'm not a business anymore. Um, yes. And that's what ended up birthing studio, um, which allows, like, as I talked to more and more customers, I heard from them that they're interested in something to be able to deliver content to their members now. Who feel like they are a little disconnected not being able to be in the gym itself. Um, so studio started as a way to help my current customers out. And then has slowly evolved over the last couple of weeks to be an open platform for any gym owner to kind of create their first digital on-demand products. That was That's a cool. crazy intro. Sorry about talking <laughs> for so long. <laughs> no, I mean, I think you covered a lot of ground
0: in a pretty succinct way. So uh, I just love, I love the, uh, I mean, I love that you're you're sort of just looking you know, to parts of your life and saying, well, what, what is the problem? You know, I think the, the original brewery example is just is such a good example for a lot of people is it's not, you know, it was, it was an elaborate fix in the sense of it required you to learn some stuff, but you were able to do it yourself. You didn't have to spend a lot of money. You didn't have to hire a lot of people. It was very much something that you could do in a a very scrappy bootstrap type way. Um, And you said, well, what's, you know, what is the problem we're facing? How do we solve it? And can I f- find a solution that's fairly automated that's going to allow us to do it over and over again? And, and uh, you know, from hearing the studio story of basically pu- putting that together in two and a half weeks, I think that's awesome. I mean, it's, it's cool. I think what's cool about that is that when you, have, when you have people that have a problem in front of them, whether that be, you know, the person who owned the brewery, whether that be these gym owners that you're providing value through consulting, value through Flex, and then, you know, they need your help. You get stuff done so much quicker. Like if you were to try to build out a studio a year ago, it probably, you'd probably still not be as far along as you are today okay. in two and a half weeks. <laughs> but when there's that urgency sure. and there's people relying on you, it's amazing what you can get done in a few weeks of just dedicated focused work. I know you've been working your ass off, but can you speak to that? I mean, is every, has everything been that for you where it's like, you might have ideas and you might have, things you want to work on but when then something has urgency you get it done in like you know one tenth of the time
1: yeah i think it, i think for me i've never been and i just gonna sound really weird i've never really been fueled by money and i always felt like a lot of the jobs that i had when i was working for somebody else they were always trying to incentivize me with some sort of monetary comeback. and i'm just like yeah cool of course i definitely want to make money it would be super cool to have this like financial freedom but it's not like what keeps me awake at night to be like okay i want to get this out And what I think with studios specifically, and a lot of the products I've done in the past, what normally fuels me is the excitement of the people that are going to use it. Because I get excited to show them something that like, hey, I think that people are way more capable than they necessarily show from an execution standpoint, because they're maybe not creative enough to come up with the solution. Or they're maybe not confident enough to come up with a solution that they think is scalable, that they're like, oh, well, if I just put all that effort in now, it's not gonna go anywhere. And that's what I even, like, that was what the beginning of flex was with the websites. I'm like, these people are paying either members or they're finding these one-off, like, hey, give me two grand. I'll build you a website. And then they can't maintain it and because they don't know the paradigm of, like, six months from now, you're going to want an update. And the guy who did your website only cared about the two grand up front. And now you're just a customer who needs this basic change that's going to take him an hour and he doesn't feel like going into it. You're going to pay him 120 bucks to make that change. It's like, it just didn't make sense. So that was the beginning of Flex. I was like, well, I can create this so that you can continue to add to it and have it in a very succinct way by removing all of the stuff that you don't need to know about, right? Like, if yeah. I showed up to you and I was like, oh, you're getting a database error. Like, you don't know what to do with that. You're just gonna pass that off. So I just don't let you see that. It's a very Apple-esque kind of way of approaching things where Apple's yeah. just like, you don't need to see the things you can't handle because it just makes you stress out. So we'll handle all those and you'll just pay yeah. a slight premium for it.
0: Um, so, so, so with I Studio, um do you see it as a solution for today while gyms are shut down or do you see it as a solution long term and i know it's 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 got potential for both, both. but when you had that in yeah. mind were you thinking about today or were you thinking you know what i think this is going to help appease some people today but it's really a long-term play like where where's your mind at with that so
1: day one it was what can I provide right away? And almost in a, in a bit of a selfish way, like what can I provide right away that shows that I want to help people during this time and not be like the, I don't, I, I, the last thing I wanted, and someone recommended this and I was just like, Oh, it like hurt me in my insides when they're like, Oh man, like people need you now because you're the marketing and branding guy. Like they're going to need help with their messaging and getting through this. And I'm like, Oh God, so I'm going to like penny pinch them during a time when they're struggling as small business owners. Like, I'm struggling right. right now. Like that just doesn't seem to correlate with like who's authentic to me. So and it was a lot of early conversation with Stu about this online delivery. And I think in the beginning it was just like, okay, what can I get up to help them right now to kind of keep people knowing like Flex is here for you. And then we you know when when things get back to normal, we can kind of help you through it. And then as I started to develop it, and I mentioned this when I was on the WTF podcast, I'm like. I did a week's worth of development and over that time, as my development chops were coming back and I was learning about all these new things, I'm like, wait, this has staying power. Like there's an opportunity here for people to, if they can just like open up their mind a little bit to see a paradigm shift, this could be something where they spend a ton of time right now while they have it, while their doors are closed, while they're not having to coach and run around and deal with new people coming in and cleaning to focus on something that may have a slightly higher barrier of entry but has unbelievable dividends that can pay off in the future. So I think after that first week of development, I scrapped the project and I started from scratch. And that's when I initially had the mindset of like, okay, this is gonna be something that's probably more long-term. And again, I'm gonna gauge how people are using it. But I mean, in the last week, we've had over 150 studios sign up and we're approaching our 1000 user mark. So it's like, there definitely seems to be at least a small subset of people who are out there who are like, okay, I see where this is headed.
0: Yeah. So, what I know, that, I know it's still uh, it's very much like you're figuring out, your customers are figuring out, but if you were to have to guess, like, what do you think the biggest opportunity is for gym owners as it relates to studio or any other platform that's similar to that? And, and I know it is a, a unique kind of category you're creating, but like, what do you think is the biggest opportunity? Is it to onboard people into their current gym and, and you know, that person that no matter how many times you tell them they don't have to get in shape before they start the gym? they want to get in shape before they start the gym and this is a way to reach them or is it a way to primarily a way to retain your current members or primarily a way to upsell current members you know instead of them paying 150 a month now they pay 170 a month for something that's pretty low cost for you um what what is the value there is it to reach just you know sure random person that's in another state and be able to reach people outside your walls. Like, what do you think if you were to pick one main lane that's gonna be the biggest value to like CrossFit gym, what do you think it's gonna be?
1: So what I'll how I'll answer this question is I'll imagine myself as a gym owner. So like, what would I perceive the biggest value of studio to be? And that's to break out of the model of revenue per square foot and allow yourself to remove that ceiling of the new people that are joining your gym. So when I look at it like, at, If I was to own a gym and I was like, okay, let's say I have 2000 square feet. You can only monetize that 2000 square feet and Mm -hmm. the applications that I feel like are out there right now that are very beneficial. I love true coach. I love sugar Watt. I've used these apps and I think they're great to me. they are amenities to a current service. So it's like, do you have this X, Y, and Z? It's I, in my opinion, it's similar to like going to an apartment place and like, do you have a pool, do you have a doggy daycare, right? Like, do you have these extra things that makes my experience better? the way i think of studio is actually an opportunity to open up new revenue streams to say that right now if my operational capacity as a gym is 250 members on my growth pattern from 100 to 250 my costs are going up too right like oh, yeah. i'm now cleaning more often i'm hiring more coaches i'm doing more outreach i have to do more marketing like there's so many things that go along that sometimes i feel like gym owners can feel stuck in this thing of like why would i try harder because if I reach my potential, it's only more of the same. My profit margin's the same. I just have a bigger business to manage. Right. So I yes. was like, I it's think not this a software actually gives company
0: them the- where it's like it's built once and every Infinite other customer scalpers. is just pure profit. It's yeah, I think exactly. I'm glad you're saying. I think I don't think enough cust- enough gym owners realize how much so many of the costs that we think are fixed are actually variable costs that are going to go up. And then I think some of the ones that like you're saying, once they do realize it, they might not realize it to that degree. But they're like, hey, I have 20 more members than I had last, this time last year, but it's not showing up in my bottom line. I'm not, I don't feel like I have any more money, right? So then right. they get discouraged, like you're saying, because it, it feels like they're just in a rat race. Yeah, 100%. And,
1: like, and what I'm even more nervous for gym owners that aren't thinking like this yet is that the bell curve of being able to charge relatively high products, premium products, it will start to level out right like i still think that we're on the upward trend of like a barry's is able i don't know how much you follow barry's they're they i love watching them because they're so bought in on their brand that they're like what do you mean you wouldn't pay 350 dollars a month like everybody does yes. they had the I, I and again i don't mean to knock them but like i'm on their email list because i'm on the email list of all these gyms just kind of see what they're doing and they're charging 225 dollars a month for 30 online classes a month Two hundred. Wow. that exceeds the price of almost every CrossFit gym. That's listening to this right now. And, and it's a digital product that you just created. They didn't even have this. So yeah. to me, that kind of says like where the market is with the market says, Hey, we weren't, we were kind of getting bored of the 30 and $40 a month gyms that kind of were okay, but didn't feel personalized, didn't feel community oriented. And now we want this more niche fitness. But I do think that we're seeing what the what the levels are of like what you can charge the member, and I do think we'll start to see a kind of a decline—not to some super low number, but to over time, people won't be willing to spend $200 a month when there's enough things out there for people right. to get that same intimate experience at a better value. So, especially when venture capital really gets behind it, like it is right now, like that's when you really start to see these people just push others out of the market. So at that point, now you're going to have an increase in operational capacity and the necessity and the cost and a decline in the overall, like what you can charge people, which really thins out your profit margin. So I was always like, how do you take some of the great aspects of starting a dev and tech company and apply them to a physical space? Well, the number one way is digital content, right? Like it's something you record once and can profit off of forever. And infopreneurs and people who are already doing fitness style videos on YouTube and Instagram have come up with ways to monetize this in the long term by doing it once, doing it really well, and then having it live in an evergreen spot for people to go back and reference. Um, I always said that one of the things that I really wish I had done is when I started to build Flex, and I could have probably done it with Studio, was show the process of what it was like to start that company. I mean, actually from scratch, because I do think that there's so many things that happen, so many nuances that we forget looking in the past. And kind of rewriting our own history that people are facing Mm -hmm. on an everyday basis right like there's someone right now who's never even heard of crossfit and gonna walk into their first crossfit affiliate tomorrow or when the when the stay at home (laughs) order lifts right so like you have to always keep that in mind like where is it going and right now like digital content is how you're getting in front of people what a great time to try to put a product in front of them that they can sign up for and as you increase your profit over time of a studio application your cost only goes up in Video quality production,
0: maybe someone to manage the studio, but ultimately it's all digital. So, what do you what do you think that price point is going to look like for someone charging for di- you know digital stuff? I know it could be all over the the all across the board, but if you're you're thinking okay, um, some of the higher end gyms are going to be able to charge you know in the two, let's call it two to three hundred a month. You know they berries can't keep going and going and going, right? They're going right. to have to settle somewhere in there. What do you think the online side is going to look like where it's, you know, it's more of the the higher end. I think, you know, one of the things that a lot of CrossFit gym owners don't understand is they are a high end. They only have so much operational capacity and they should be positioned as a higher end brand because compared to a yoga studio or an orange theory, they're packing way more people at less, way less people in per square foot, way more. Unit economics breaks down big time. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So like, what do you think that, sort of the premium market online is going to look like, where it's still a recurring membership. It's not, you know, it's still very group based. It's not one-on-one touch points. What are you thinking that's going to look like? So in my opinion, when I
1: think of a product like this, that you're trying to reach the masses with, you have to have that abundance mindset, right? Like I even tell people right now that they're like, oh, I want to lock down my studio completely so no one can see anything. And I'm advising them to say, hey, listen, As you're doing this i understand that the level of effort you're putting in right now feels like you should get something directly for it those are people that are not playing the long-term game right you're playing like the very like one-to-one unit game and it's like the people who go you know start a podcast and immediately monetize it and you're just like huh you don't have an audience Like people don't care yet like how about you produce the best content and i think you know gary vaynerchuk does a great job of talking about like the best content that he produces is free because that's what gets people interested that's what gets people engaged so I'm not saying that you should be free, but what I am saying is that you should have that abundance mindset because I'd personally rather have 10,000 people at $10 a month than nickel and dime people and try to have to hard sell and do more marketing to get a person at a 50 or 60 or $70 a month package. So yeah. what I like to look at is I take a Peloton as an example, right? So Peloton is undoubtedly positioned to be a premium at-home product, right? They sell two, <laughs> $2 to $3,000 pieces of equipment that you're installing in your house, and their monthly membership is $40. Yeah, so that and, that, at least, and that's really I think, what we're
0: going to be competing against because they do a they do a great job. Now, the differentiator that we have is they basically have one piece of equipment that they're using. They're not they're not. I mean, at least from what I've seen, they're not doing dumbbells and jump ropes. They like have it, us, or, or are they?
1: Yeah, so they have stretch yoga, um, and they don't call it yoga. They call it something else. They have their treadmill. They have the bike workouts. They have running, um, and I think they have like not hit, but there's something else that they call like their fitness level, where they're just walking you through basic dumbbell or kettlebell workouts. So they do produce all of that content and that's what gotcha. people are going to be up against. I think uh, the unique so offering people, that, are-
0: you know, you're, you're a member of the gym, you're good friends with Stu. How, how do people like that, like myself differentiate ourselves from someone like that? Do we have to just go cheaper because we can't have the variety and the production value that they have? Can we separate ourselves in another way?
1: Well, so I look at it like if you take a look at the models that are out there, which is by, like a huge thing. I think that many people like to listen to other people talk about it, but not do the research for themselves. So my first recommendation to anybody even listening to this, like, don't just take my word for it. Go look, go yeah. go download Peloton. Like, like, and I look at this too. I've purchased you know, or gotten a free trial to almost every application in these different genres as I've been building my companies over the years, because I'm interested to know like what people are doing now. And Sometimes that sunk some cost of having to pay $40 for a Peloton membership just to get access or talk to a friend that has it and see what the experience is like. I think exactly. the ways that people like us would differentiate in a market where there are people producing this high level of content is make it more personable, be a person that wants to engage people and offer things that would be outside of what Peloton would ever do, right? So, like if I was a chiropractor, man, what a cool opportunity because there's no way that Peloton will ever spend the money to talk about mobility and recovery because that's not the essence of their app. Their essence of their app is getting people moving. So that's a cool opportunity. I think for CrossFit gyms, like there is no CrossFit on Peloton. So that's a cool opportunity right there to be like, wow, I do cool CrossFit workouts. I have a really personable coach. Let's take his personality and see, or her personality and see how many people also engage with them. So I think that's another way. The other thing is the hand-to-hand. So I could never call Peloton. I can never email yeah. Peloton and ask them a question about a class where studio allows you to kind of like engage a little bit more and we're gonna be building in more direct communication features that may be something that you charge more for or less for, but almost like similar to a true coach where you can talk in app. We want that same availability of people being able to be like, hey, what's going on here, right? Like someone in the comments, I thought, so I saw this is really cool. We had a, a studio share a video with us where They showed us how they had their trainer doing the workout, and then on the right-hand side they were showing the modifications. So it's super cool, like a picture-in-picture of like the person on the screen was doing handstand push-ups, and on the right you're seeing Pike push-ups and a plank. And I'm like, oh, that gives an instant visual feedback. Peloton's never going to do that. Their market will always be the lowest common denominator. So you can start to approach people who maybe are a little bit more into fitness, and still give the options for the other people to be engaged. So I think that. You know, saying that the fact that Peloton exists would be enough for me to not get into the market is like saying, because movies exist, I'll never make a YouTube video. Yeah. Of course, there's always going to be this upper echelon product, but the barrier of entry to a Peloton is normally something that like, A, people automatically assume that they have to pay two or $3,000 to start. That's a huge barrier. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two is they may not like the style in which they have to receive that, right? So it's like, I think there's some more opportunity there to make it a little bit more feel like a community with comments and the ability to kind of log and keep your classes as you go. Plus, and this is something that I think is super exciting. And this is my, like, this is the thing that I'm most excited for about studio is when we create the explore feature, which breaks down the walls of the physical gyms and allows anybody to search for any studio or any class. And Mm now suddenly you're able to mix together your perfect personalities and plan out a week's worth of workouts on a Sunday night, knowing that this week you're going to be traveling. And you're like, okay, yeah. I know I'm not going to have the time to like kind of dive in each day, but I can schedule out what workouts I'm going to do from my favorite five CrossFit gyms <laughs> or my favorite two yoga
0: studios, you know, however you want to do that. One of the things that we've looked a lot at with our gym lately is what does our future look like? And not even just online, but in, in person mainly. What is, the, what is the vision for our gym moving forward? And I think we want to keep moving in this direction of, yes, group classes is one of the key services that we offer, but we're not a group class gym we're a, a coaching service we provide coaching we provide accountability to what is someone's goal and what is the path to get there and we sort of see ourselves like the the you know maybe the way a doctor could be a general practitioner we're like the general practitioner of someone's health and wellness goals and we're overseeing that entire program and, and right. the ability to prescribe stuff we have the ability to prescribe in class workouts we have the ability to prescribe online workouts and I think what you have in studio is a tool that you can rather than just giving access and, and access could be one of the things you provide but I would imagine that the 220 a month that Barry's is charging is only possible because of the current market we're in I think that's going to quickly settle a lot around a Peloton price point which is still a, a higher end brand by by you know most most of the ways they present themselves But it's a $40 a month recurring membership, which is low compared to a brick and mortar facility. But I think if you want to differentiate yourself, I think you can have the ability to um, provide more individualized coaching, not in terms of the class experience, but outside of the class experience. Hey, I want you to take these classes on this week because it's right for your goals. I want you to take these classes on this week because you're traveling you know let's back off yeah. this week and let's do some yoga classes but you're actually doing that work for that person to say this is what's best for you today and I think that's where I think a lot of CrossFit gyms that's where they can find themselves successful because they can stay in a, hot, a premium price point and they can do what they do best which is coaching yeah for sure and I also think that like well, you bring up a good point of the
1: ascension of a single person who maybe starts in a group fitness setting and is looking for something more individualized afterwards, Mm -hmm. right? So again, when capacity becomes an issue and rent starts to become your limiting factor, you may say I can survive on a smaller square footage because I'm able to aggregate this awareness uh, level of like the marketing funnel to then engage in an online product that's our group offering, so to speak. And then what's our in-house offering is maybe more personalized or maybe more select based on our geographical location. So I was talking when I was talking to the personal trainer last week who wanted to leverage this, you know, for her um, Instagram following. She worked at a couple of CrossFit gyms and she was doing some training on the side and she was looking for a way to get from Instagram free workouts to a personalized online product. This is a great step. And I always try to tell people when I'm doing my marketing consulting, like, we want people to take steps, not leaps. That's the reality of it. And it's not just because that's the most profitable way. It's what builds the longer lasting brand. It's not just like what's going to get us to the profit first, right? Like, sure. I can go and do a very aggressive marketing and sales strategy to try to take someone from never having heard about a product to charging them a thousand dollars a month for something. It's not like it hasn't been done. However, Normally, the resources involved in that and the creative marketing behind it are pretty high barriers. So how do we take someone and give them steps to getting started? Well, we can introduce them to this concept that we have, and then we can have them behind a paywall do these online digital classes that is kind of our low barrier offer that comes at a very affordable price and gets them engaged over time with both our brand and our style of workouts. And now it gives you a very easy way to be like, hey, I already like this Andrew guy. I kind of want like, do you, and I can already imagine these emails coming in that are like, hey, like I really enjoyed watching your free content. Like, do you do any personal training? And now it's them seeking you out and not the other way around, which becomes a great cost thing for you.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think that's one way a gym owner can position it in their head. If they're thinking, well, I don't want to put all this work in to maybe have, you know, 30 people at $19 a month that it really is not going to be not going to pay off for the work that we're going to put in but i think another way to look at that is you're almost that's like your sales funnel you have people that are feet that are paying you to be a part of your sales funnel essentially and it might yep. not be a substantial amount to replace or even be such a noticeable amount that's going to allow you to like uh change the way you run your gym but it could be a way to almost like you said get people to for a low cost, um, start to be, be able to like agree to marketing for you and, yeah. um, and, and then see you as an authority. So then those are the people that are first to pull the trigger when, you know, you're ready to take on new members.
1: Absolutely. And we've already had gyms doing the, like using studio as a downsell. So even before studio launched, like some people knew that it was coming out, like the people that were close to me and they would tell their members, like as their are like hey I know you can't afford the $200 a month but we're going to have this on demand product that's $30 a month would mm-hmm. you be interested in the people like oh yeah because it makes me feel like I'm still supporting my gym and I still get to hang out with my friends I still get to be kind of associated with it even though my financial standing right now is not in such that I can pay $200 a month for a gym membership right I remember yeah. like when I started flex I had to scrap everything in my life like I was I wasn't getting paid I didn't have any so it's like I was living off of savings and getting rid of my gym membership was the most like it was the heart wrenching thing to do because I'm like, these are my people like I like to hang out and if they had the ability where I can go in and still engage with them, like I would definitely have stayed on for 20 or $30 a month. I just couldn't afford the, the 185. So yeah. I think that that's a cool opportunity. And then of, from the unit economic standpoint of like figuring out the value, I just look at it like, can you get 10 people out of the world to pay $30 a month for your online classes? And suddenly you have your CrossFit affiliate fee paid for the year. With just ten people, three hundred bucks a month, you have your cross. Like so, like there are ways even with just a small following that the value is there because you're not constantly updating the videos. You don't have to do it every day. You could say, hey, we're gonna take the next two weeks and produce fifty videos, upload them all, and then they just live there forever, right? Like a lot of people that do blogs and video content on YouTube talk about how. The initial spike didn't come from when they first produced the blog or they first produced the video. It was a year later when it became a topical news thing and people went back and searched it and then they got this huge spike. Well, shit, if you created this unbelievable uh, on-demand workout library and suddenly it just takes off because the news finds it, right? Like I talked to a guy the other day who was down in Florida and they were starting this nutrition program and they were like, um, they ran a challenge in a local um, gym and one of the people that was at the gym was a news anchor. And he lost 15 pounds in three weeks. He couldn't stop talking about it. So he, now this guy has a segment on the weekly news to talk about nutrition just because of something that he didn't put out there because digital products don't see boundaries. You know what I mean? I think that's
0: a super cool thing. So what other the things do you see as kind of the future for gyms right now? Um, like what do, you, what do you see that, uh, you had mentioned like the pricing thing, right? Right now you still have companies, which I think not enough CrossFit gyms are, are raising the rates to, to match like something like a berries and where they're going, but like, what do you see as the the future of gyms? That could be anything related to pricing or class experience, but what are elements that you're, you have top of mind?
1: Well, I think one of the coolest things that I think that COVID is now like producing in people is again, I think I mentioned this earlier, or maybe it was before we actually started recording, Mm -hmm. but like, I think that there's this concept that everybody knows about all the fitness options. And like, it's just not true, right? Like I've talked to people, my brother and sister, not really into fitness at all, never really been a huge part of their lives. And when I tell them like, oh yeah, well obviously you've seen the Peloton, like what's that? Didn't even know what it is, right? Like yeah. these concepts don't exist in everybody's mind. And I think that sometimes when you're in an industry for so long, you get a little bit of what I call snow blindness because you've just seen it for so long. You can't imagine someone starting CrossFit for the first time. Like, what do you mean? Everybody knows about CrossFit. No, they don't. Yeah. No, they don't. I can walk down the street right now and ask 10 people have they ever heard of Rich Froning? Never heard of him. Right? Like yeah. and it's just and it's not saying that he's not a celebrity and the CrossFit's not a big thing. It's just like the majority of people have not necessarily sought fitness. And now we're in a time right now when COVID's producing this opportunity for gyms to be like, everyone's being introduced to some sort of workout at home because that's what everybody's content is right now. Because there's not enough to talk about. There's no sports going on. There's nothing else. People are like, what is everyone doing with all their time? I guess now is a cool time to start looking into fitness and they're finding these on-demand things. I can guarantee you that we we will see people that came out of COVID as personal trainers and online delivery just absolutely crush it because now people for the first time may be going into Google and searching at workout from home. That Google search alone will change the way that your business operates. So I do see kind of the the shift being, what are you going to be offering digitally outside of just your physical space? I see as being like an actual part of all gyms moving forward to where it's almost like a normal part of conversation for people that are assessing gyms. Like, oh, I looked at the gyms in my area. These three gyms have showers, and but these ones have the on-demand products.
0: It'll be that kind of fluid in conversation. I do believe that. That's cool. Um, and then, you know, out before this even happened before the coronavirus shutdown happened, what were some of the big or some of the big problems you saw in the gym industry? Um, you know, and you could, you could use examples from, from the gyms that you've been a part of, but like prior to this, what did, what did you see as like, and obviously you're trying to create solutions for some of that stuff with flex, but like, where you, where are the holes that you feel like gym owners need to be thinking about, or maybe you're thinking about creating solutions for. So I think even when I started Flex, I've always been a,
1: a UX guy, a user experience. And whether that's, and I, I almost want to call it like, I want to be an experience specialist because I don't believe that I think like how I think just applies to development. Like I think it also applies to physical in-house experiences. I do believe that as time goes on, what people will realize is that the level and methodology that you use for the training becomes secondary to the experience that they have once they enter your facility. So I think while more and more people dive deeper and deeper into the individualization now, if you're doing it as a service, fantastic. If you're just doing it as a way of of making your members happier by adding more equipment, more complexity to the workouts, more of a structured time, I still believe, and I think I always will believe, that the majority of people just want to feel good after they work out. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily want to, and that doesn't necessarily feel good. Doesn't mean the same for everybody. So I don't mean feel good. Can't mean that you just killed yourself in a workout and laying on the floor sweating. That may feel good to me. So I don't want people to think that I think that a lot of people out there talk about like, as if those are the two polar things. I don't believe that at all. I believe that feel good means different things to different people on different days. But the question is how do you make it so that when people come in to experience it, they're remembering things, right? They, they, they notice that you keep things clean. Like these details matter and how what my onboarding experience looks like right like does it look like i signed a waiver online i show up the first day i mean and i'll, I'll tell this as a joke and i won't name the the place but in charlotte i joined a crossfit gym for two weeks and they didn't even know i was there i never paid a single thing the coaches still like were like hey like and no one ever asked and i just walked in one day to trial class and they're like hey are you here to try and i'm like yeah and no one ever asked me anything after that so like yeah, it made me kind of cool because it seemed like I was like gypping them out of some sort of service. But like, that wasn't the point. The point was I wanted to be a part of the gym. (laughs) I wanted to be engaged and I wanted to feel like I was part of this thing. So I know that we preach community a lot, but I think that experience will become the number one thing because as content becomes more level playing field and as people are able to produce more things like CrossFit, you have the barriers, you have the orange theories, you have like these different services that have their proprietary formula for fitness. What they're really focused on is the engagement of these people and in promoting their brand outside of it. So it's now shifting the focus from just the people in-house to the people who are now experiencing fitness for the first time. And what kind of like, what can you give to them to make it feel like this is a valuable product? Um, I know with software, like I always talk about with software, like some of the best platforms ever that exist out there will never be found because the developer behind them doesn't know how to communicate that to people. You know what I mean? Like they don't know how to communicate the value to people versus just what it does. And like Steve Jobs, I think is one of the most notable people in in a genre like this, because he didn't ever focus on what the features of Apple were. He focused on the use cases. And I think that the more people that are able to kind of let go a little bit of how specific the programming is and recognizing that how people feel is what matters and what really should be their core focus, I think will be like a fundamental shift. And I see that, as definitely being an opportunity for a lot of gems.
0: I love that. Um, I want to wrap up here. We could definitely do episodes in the future, but um, where can people find out more about uh, Studio and Flex and yourself? If they want to know more about what we've been talking about.
1: Sure. So um, you can find out more information about Studio um, at studiobyflex.com. So studiobyflex.com. Um, if you're looking to sign up, and either you want a studio or you just want to kind of be involved in like one of the early adopters before our explore features out there, you can go to studio.flex.co. Um, and again, that's studio.flexx.co. Um, and that's where you can create your free account and kind of get started. Um, and of course, you can always go to the Flex landing page, follow us on Instagram at Studio by Flex. That's probably the, the where we keep the most up to date content. Um, and you'll find both my account and Flex linked from there. So. That's probably my big push is just to go follow us on Instagram because we definitely put out a lot of content there.